All right, hello and welcome. Uh, my name is Mike. I'm one of the pastors at Inogra Baptist Church, and today uh, we are we're doing this thing online this week. Hopefully, just for one week. So we'll see how we go. Uh, if you're visiting with us, yeah, my name is Mike, and um, it's good to have you join us today. Uh, today, I'm just going to dive basically straight into the message. We don't have any uh, recorded worship because of the late nature of of this whole lockdown thing. Um, so I'm just going to dive straight into our series on heaven. We're up to our third week. Uh, looking at the biblical vision of heaven, which is so different from what our kind of default cultural understanding of heaven is, of, of clouds and babies on, with harps and um, with arrows, and they're always fat babies for some reason, I'm not sure. Um, and it's boring and it's monotonous and there's, it, it, it sounds like hell to us, really, when we think about what that would be like. Um, but guess what? The Bible's vision of heaven is so much better, so much richer. Uh, let me start by making a confession, though, and that is that I haven't actually ever been to heaven, unlike some people who, who claim, um, you know, to, to have actually been there themselves and seen some things. Um, they always tend to end up with book deals and stuff. So anyway, um, look, today what we're focusing on is God's own revealed word in the Bible. And so today that's what we're going to be doing once more. Um, so let me give you a quick recap of where we've been, what we've seen. Uh, in our first week, we heard about how heaven is our forever home. That really, that heaven is defined as where God is. It's defined as where God is. And that we have this hunger and thirst in us, this restlessness, this homesickness for our true and better home that is, um, that's not anywhere on this earth. And that's because we've been made for, for something bigger and something better than this earth. We have a forever home with God. That's what heaven heaven is. Uh, and then last week, Matt sought to answer the question, what happens when we die? What happens when we die immediately after we die? What is it that happened? And so if you miss either of those messages, I'd highly recommend go find them on our website. Um, go grab them on our podcast on iTunes or on your Android podcast app, wherever you get podcasts from. They're on our website. You can find them elsewhere as well. And go have a listen to those so you can get the background for where we are today. Um, today, I have really just one goal, and that is to dispel the one big, the, probably the biggest mistake I think we all too often make about heaven. And really, it's, it's an assumption. It's an assumption uh, that is deeply ingrained in us because we have been formed more by our kind of cultural thought than the words of scripture when it comes to thinking about heaven. And so here it is. This is... I kind of I phrase this kind of purposefully to be a little bit um, contentious, to make you think, right? Um, here it is, ready? Heaven is not our final destination. You say, what? How, how can that be? And let, me, let me be a little bit more specific straight away. Um, the heaven that you go to when you die is not your final destination. Again, you say, how can that be? Uh, Matt did address it last week, almost incidentally, but today I just want to stop and truly think about this idea. Last week, Matt answered the question, what, what happens that, that moment you die? And we saw through a number of passages uh, that there is this promise that we would be with God, that we'd be with him in paradise, just like that in a twinkling of an eye. Um, and yet, from some of those other passages we see in Revelation, we also see the martyrs those who have died for their faith, who are crying out to God for justice. 
so that, that there's, uh, they're in some way aware of what is happening on earth, that, that, that justice still hasn't been done, that evil is still getting away with evil. And so, yes, they are in blessed rest. Yes, they are with God. And yet they still eagerly await a coming day where God is going to right every wrong, put all things right. They are waiting for the final resurrection. That's still future for us, and it is still future for the saints in heaven. And so, friends, um, this week, we, yeah, we, we spoke about this this idea last week, right? That that um, we we spoke about this heaven last week, the, what we call the intermediate heaven or the the present heaven, because it exists now in the present. Um, but that's not our final home. It's not our forever home. And don't get me wrong; it is still absolutely heaven. Uh, it is still absolutely better than this. Paul would say in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 8 that we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. Philippians 1.23, uh, to be with Christ is, he says, far better, far better. So, of course, this present heaven is amazing. It's to be desired. It is amazing because we are with God. And yet it is still not the final thing. It's still not perfect yet. It's not actually all that we were made for. God has more in store for the human race, and it is still to come. Back when I was in high school, when I was about 15, I went on a school trip to Germany. It was like a sports trip to play soccer against the German kids. They are much better than us, I've got to say. Um, anyway, a ton of fun. I remember all my, uh, my brothers and my sisters, all the ones, they were really, I remember copying a little bit from them um, because um, as the youngest, and I was youngest by far, um, so I was almost like an only child growing up as well, in, in some senses, because they were all moved out by the time I was about this age, right? Um, but I, I was spoiled, right? And I was. And I'm not going to defend that. That's just what it was, because I was, I was basically home alone. And so anyway, um, I remember copying a lot for the fact that I got an overseas trip at 15. Um, but basically, I, we went to Germany. I went to Germany. Uh, we flew from Brisbane to Frankfurt. It's a big uh, airport in Germany. Uh, epic flight. The plane can't make it there in one go, I don't think. And so I needed to stop in uh, for a few hours in Bangkok, in Thailand, right? Now, the week before I left, when I was telling people uh, where I was going, did I tell them that I was going to, to Thailand? Or did I tell them I was going to Germany? Of course, the, the answer, of course, is that oh, I was going to Germany, right? Thailand is incidental. It's a step along the way. And in, in the same way, um, it's, it's part of the journey, but it's not the ultimate destination. It was a layover. Now, heaven is an amazing, the present heaven, I should say, is an amazing layover to be sure. Um, but today what we're going to be looking at is what the Bible holds out to us as our ultimate hope, our final home. And so that's what we're looking at today. Why don't I just say a quick word of prayer before we jump in. Heavenly Father, we do pray today as we open up your word, Lord, that you would speak to us powerfully, Lord, that we'd hear your voice, Lord, that we would have soft hearts. And even though we are um, not together today, uh, Lord, that you would still bless this time. Lord, that we would know the fellowship of, of your Holy Spirit this morning through your word. Pray for all these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. It's good. All right. So. That, having, that being said, what is our final hope? What is our ultimate hope? If it's not this present heaven, what is it? Right? What is the ultimate thing? What is it that we are actually waiting for? 
to quote the, uh, the little tagline of our series, what is it we're waiting for? Um, so if you have your Bibles, I hope you do at your house, go find your one now. Um, turn to the last page of, of the Bible, right? We're going to be in Revelation 21 and 22. Literally, we're going to be looking at the, the, the last, the very last page of Scripture. It's quite a big reading today. That's because I couldn't settle on one little passage. So, you know, what? We're just, I'm just going to blast you. And it's just so rich and it's worth sitting in. And so I really encourage you to spend some time. We're going to jump through, jump over other bits. But um, this, is, this is where we're headed, guys. This is where it's all going. Revelation 21 from verse 1. And then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth has passed away and the sea was no more. Uh, he, so, so he starts with, then I saw, right? So this is a vision. This is the apostle John receiving a vision. That's what Revelation is. He saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven, the first earth had passed away. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Jumping down to verse 9. Then came one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of the seven last place. And he spoke to me saying, Come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great high mountain. And he showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, having the glory of God, its radiance like a most rare jewel, like a jasper, clear as crystal. Jumping down to now verse 22. And I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and its lamp is the Lamb. By its light will all the nations walk, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it, and its gates will never be shut by day, and there will be no night there. They will bring into it the glory and honor of the nations. But nothing unclean will ever enter it. Nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and from the Lamb. Through the middle of the street of the city, down Main Street, right, is this river of life. Also, on either side of the river, the tree of life, with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were, the, were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and the end of the Lamb will be in it. 
and the servants will worship him. They will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. And night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun for the Lord God will be their light. And they will reign forever and ever. And friends, it just keeps going. It is wonderful. It is beautiful. This is our forever home. This is our ultimate hope. It is a resurrected life in the new heavens and the new earth. This is what is coming for us. And so what is this all about? What does this mean? What does this matter to us? What's all the fuss? Uh, I'm just going to spend the next, the, the rest of the message going through four kind of big ideas here that we need to get our heads around to make sense of this new heavens, new earth, okay? And so this is where we're going to start. First thing, heaven will be physical. Heaven will be physical. And by heaven, I mean this, this new heavens, new earth, right? Uh, verse one, then I saw a new heavens and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth has passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. So this is the picture, right? Heaven, the dwelling place of God, coming down to earth. Friends, this means that you will exist forever through faith in Christ, I must say. You will exist forever on this earth made new. The, the resurrected earth. The earth is getting its own resurrection going to be real it's going to be tangible it's going to be physical as real and tangible and physical as 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 anything you can see and touch right now except it will be made perfect the earth will be without stain of sin or evil and your resurrected body likewise will be perfect you will interact with this new world with the same senses that you do now sight smell touch hearing um, the same taste, right? The, the same things that the same way we interact with our physical world will be the way we interact in the new heavens and the new earth. Uh, one of one of the most influential ideas uh, in the history of of religious thought comes from the ancient Greek philosopher Plato. Plato's idea, or at least one one aspect of Pla uh, Platonism, Platonism, that's the one. Um, Platonism is um, basically that the, the material world, everything we can see and touch, is bad, and the spiritual world is good. And so the famous quote that he, he had was soma sema, which means in English, basically, the body, a tomb. The body, a tomb. We are trapped inside this, sh this dead shell. And so therefore, according to Plato, the goal of spirituality and, and religion is to help free us from this evil material body, this evil material world that we are stuck in, and to literally live as free spirits, like literally free spirits, right? Matter bad, physical bad, which means body bad, spirit good, soul good, right? And, and this, this idea of matter bad, spirit good has snuck its way into Christianity, uh, starting way back in ancient times. And it's been around ever since, lurking like a bad smell. And maybe you can think about ways in which 
this kind of assumption, matter bad, spirit good, has, has even affected your own experience of Christianity. The problem is the Bible is just firmly against this. It is firmly against the platonic um, physical bad, spirit good dichotomy. It's just not going to let that happen. God created the physical. And on the first page of the Bible, he called it very good. Very good. He was happy with his physical creation. And if that's not enough, Christ had actually entered into the world. God himself had stepped in onto the physical incarnate, in, which literally means in flesh, in meat. He was standing on the earth in a physical body. God was not, God did not disdain the physical. He came as a physical man. And right now, Jesus stands in heaven in a physical resurrected body. And friends, he will forever be in this physical resurrected body. I'm not sure if you've thought about this, but his resurrection was a, his uh, incarnation, I should say, was a one-way ticket. He will forever, God in Christ will forever inhabit a physical body. And now what we see in Revelation, right, is that heaven is physical. We will exist on a renewed, resurrected earth. This is God's plan for us. It was from the beginning that we would inhabit this earth with him, enjoy his creation. And so in heaven, we will eat, we will drink, we will laugh, we will hug, we will adventure, we will enjoy God forever and enjoy each other, one another forever and ever. I just got to, you've got to just stop and think, right? If you've ever seen a beautiful sunset, if you've ever been to the Alps, if you reckon the Alps are good, wait till you see the resurrected Alps in the new heavens and the new earth. It's going to be even better. This earth is going to get its own resurrection. Number one, heaven is physical. Number two, you will have a new body to enjoy this new world. You'll have a new body. We're going to jump over to 1 Corinthians. We're back to Revelation, but let's go to 1 Corinthians 15. Verse 42, Paul says, what is sown is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. What is, dis what is sown in dishonor, it is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. He's talking about our body, right? Our body is going to be going to the ground like a seed and it's going to come out in glory. It is sown a natural body and it is raised a spiritual body, emphasis on body. If there is a natural body that we all have right now, there is also a spiritual body. Now, th this is actually one of the places where people bring the classic idea from Plato uh, of matter bad, spiritual good, and they read it onto these verses. But these verses aren't contrasting physical and spiritual. They're contrasting two types of bodies. Physical body, two types of physical bodies, right? The natural physical body and the spiritual one, right? The body Christ has now is a spiritual, physical body. Do you see? Do you see how we get so confused here, right? There's the one we're born with, which is natural, and then there's one that is of the spirit, filled with the spirit, of the spirit, and our heavenly resurrected body. That's that's the one that Jesus has right now, and he keeps going. We're going to jump down to verse forty-eight. It says, as was the man of dust, that's Adam, right? Man made from dust, Genesis 1. So also are those who are of the dust. And as is the man of heaven, Jesus, so are those who are of heaven. 
Just as we had borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. This is saying, just like we're kind of, we're like Adam, we're, we're of Adam, one day we're going to be of Christ. We're going to have the same kind of resurrected body as Christ. So the key to understanding what our body is going to be like is to look at the kind of body Jesus has. In the Gospels, we, we see Jesus interact with the world in his physical body. We see him eat. We see the disciples touch him. In fact, one of the first times they see him, they think he's a ghost, right? Because they're like, we saw you die. We know you're dead. So they freak out. They think he's a ghost. But he said, he, this is how he responds, Luke 24, verse 39. He says, look at my hands and my feet, showing them the scars, right? It is myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones, as you see I have. Jesus is going like, look, guys, I'm not a ghost. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm in meat still. Right? One day, one day, you will receive a new body. One day, you'll receive a new body that will never perish, can never get sick. I'm looking forward to that day. I've got two kids, four and two, and yeah, a body that doesn't get sick is very exciting. Right? A body that does not break down and age when you, have a, when you sleep weird and you wake up barely being able to walk. How about this? A body where our brain chemistry doesn't leave us experiencing mental health problems and in need of medications to, to just get by and function, right? One day, all of our chronic health problems, be it cancer or be it depression or be it the bad back you have, whatever it might be, right? Those problems are temporary at best. They are not forever. Because the day is coming when we will receive a new perfected body. Number three, firstly, heaven is physical. Number two, you'll receive a new body. Number three, new earth, new everything, right? Verse five of, of Revelation 21. And he who was seated on the throne, guess who's seated on the throne, guys? That's God. This is what God says. He says, behold, I am making all things new. All things new. Um, you can go look up the Greek in, in um, go look up this, this verse in the Greek and kind of see if, it, if there's any kind of you know, hidden meanings going on here. And um, guess what all things in the Greek means? Yeah, it means all things, right? It means absolutely everything. He's going to remake the entire cosmos. Martin Lloyd-Jones, he said it this way. He said, everything will be glorified, even nature itself. And that seems to me to be the biblical teaching about the eternal state that what we call heaven is life in this perfect world as God intended humanity to live in it. Isn't that good news? Life in this eternal state. And friends, Jesus is our blueprint of this. He has his resurrected body. He's going he's gonna to resurrect not just us, but he's going to resurrect the earth, the galaxies. He's going to resurrect the stars and the mountains and the rivers. What does a resurrected river look like? What does a resurrected star look like? What does a resurrected mountain look like? I have no idea, but I want to see it. I really do. Looking forward to the day where we get to experience the new world with our new eyes. Romans 8, 19 to 22 gives us this picture of the earth waiting, waiting, groaning for this renewal to take place. This is what Revelation 8 says. This is for the creation waits an eager expectation for the 
children of God to be revealed. Creation's waiting for God to marry his bride, the church. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it. In hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pangs of childbirth right up until this present time. Friends, all the creation is waiting for this day that God is going to make all things new, all things new. Now, I think, I think this does have some implications for us and how we understand our relationship with this present creation. God is going to make it new, which means it's not, God's not doing away with it entirely, right? It's not getting chucked on the dumpster fire in God's vision of the world. It's actually, God's going to remake it. Even 2 Peter 3.10, which talks about the world burning, the idea there is a cleansing burning, right? That the, and, and then it says directly afterwards that we are waiting a new earth. And so I think there is, there is an implication here for us, right? It's an ethical responsibility from God to care for it as, as stewards until that day, both for the glory of God and for the love of our neighbor. That's a whole topic we can spend some time thinking about for sure, but rest assured, we, today what we can say for sure is rest assured, one day we will receive, the earth will receive its divine re renovation that we are all waiting for. And that's going to be very exciting. So we can look forward to that day. Heaven is physical. You will receive a new body. New earth, new everything. And finally, we will be with him forever. I've saved the best for last because this is the big one, right? This is the big E on the I chart, heaven is only heaven because God is there, because we get to be with him. We are home with our God. This is what it's all about. So jump with me back to Revelation. Um, we're going to be going from chapter 21, verse 2, and just really listen. Try to picture. Try and picture, try and imagine what we're reading here. He says, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven, from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. I don't know if you've ever seen a bride walk down the aisle, but tell you what, it's a beautiful moment. And that moment, what we feel in that moment is it's an inkling of what is to come here. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will receive them. He will dwell with them, I should say. And they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And death shall be no more. Nor, neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. Verse 22. And I saw no temple in the city. For its temple is the, whole, is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. And the city has no need of a sun or a moon to shine on it. For the glory of, the, of God gives it light. And its lamp is the lamb. Verse 3, 22, chapter 22. No longer will there be anything cursed. But the throne of God and the lamb will be in it. And his servants will worship him. They will see his face. 
they will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads and night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun for the Lord God will be their light and they will reign with him forever and ever. What will this be like? What will this be like to see his face? What will it be like to be in his presence? I wonder what we're going to see in his eyes on that day. What will his eyes hold for us? Friends, no matter how great the world might be, this resurrected world, without God there, we would get bored and it would still be as empty as this world. There's a great show on at the moment, uh, it's a couple of years old now, um, called The Good Place with Kristen Bell. It's hilarious. It's really silly. And it's also really kind of like deep as well. Um, the Good Place is a comedy about heaven, about the afterlife. And I'm going to do my best right now not to kind of like ruin the show for you. Um, but suffice to say, right, that the characters, if you can just imagine a show about the afterlife, the characters, they make it to the true heaven. And it's awesome. There's everything you can ever imagine. Um, music you can eat. I thought that was kind of amusing. Hoverboards, of course. Lots of hoverboards. But eventually, right, after experiencing all these awesome things for hundreds, thousands, millions of years, however long, right, all, all the things they can think of, they end up doing them all. And they get bored. And they get restless. And they get unfulfilled because it's, you, can, you can reach the end of it, right? And the show's creator, Michael Schur, said this. He said, um, it's sort of an inescapable conclusion. It doesn't matter how great things are. If they go on forever, they will get boring. And I just thought this was such a wonderful insight, right, into, into the human experience of heaven without God. The best our minds can come up with, the best we can think of, it's still not enough. It's actually empty and it's purposeless and it's pointless. And at the end, we reach up. There's still that itch, that wrestler, that homesickness within us. Friends, the greatest treasure of heaven is not the hoverboards or whatever, right? Or music you can eat. It's that we're with him forever, that we are adored by him forever, that we experience the fullness of his love forever. That is the greatest treasure. And because he is infinite, right, we can never reach a point of boredom because his glory continues forever. There's always more to explore. We will dwell with him on this earth made new forever, and it is going to be the best because he will be there. And so I've got to ask you, are you ready for this? Are you ready now to meet him? Are you ready to experience his grace and his love forever? Are you ready for heaven? Are you ready for heaven do you desire to be with him now? If you don't desire to be with him now, I wonder how much you're going to desire to be with him in heaven. If, if you do, it's going to impact your life today. It will. John Piper, he, write, he has this um, really cutting question for us, which I want to ask you today. He says this, the critical question for our generation and for every generation and for EBC this morning is this. If you could have heaven with no sickness, with all the friends you ever had on earth, with all the food you ever liked, 
all the leisure activities you ever enjoyed and all the natural beauties you ever saw and all the physical pleasures you ever tasted and no human conflict or any natural disasters, could you be satisfied with heaven if Christ were not there? Friends, may it never be. May it never be. Don't settle for less than the real deal. Don't settle for less than the real deal. We have so much more to look forward to than an empty eternity. So let me, let me finish with this story from Randy Alcorn. I found it a helpful encouragement. He said um, in, in 1952, so a good kind of 70 years ago now, a young swimmer, Florence Chadwick, she set out to swim um, the Catalina Channel in, in California. It's like 32 kilometers in open sea. And she had already been the first woman to do the, the English Channel there and back, right? So not a first timer, right? But it happened to be a really bad day when she went for it. And it, was, it was cold, it was foggy. And so the, the, the uh, visibility was really poor. And she could barely even see the boats that were there kind of escorting her across this channel. And so despite the weather, she gave it her best. She had a crack, right? But after 15 hours, 15 hours swimming in the open sea, can you imagine? Oh, man. Um, she was just, she was entirely spent. So she gave up. Despite the fact the team was saying, it's not far. Um, she, she had to give up. And she got out of the water. When she was on the boat, she saw just how close she was. And she was gutted because she said, look, if, if, if all, all in that water, all I can see is the waves and the fog, right? If I could, if I could have seen it, if I could have seen that shore, if I could have seen how close it was, I would have made it. And friends, you got to know you're, you're closer to this than you know. You really are. If you think about how big eternity is and how big your 80 years are, it's, you're closer than you know. So keep persevering, keep swimming, keep your eyes out of the wind and the fog and the, and the waves and keep pushing into the Lord. Keep persevering. Keep setting your mind on the things above, like we said in week one, right? Let me finish with these words. Uh, these are the last words written in the Bible, and I think they just make such a fitting end to our message today. This is how John closes out Revelation and how the Lord saw fit to close out the entire Bible. Revelation 22, verse 20 and 21. He who testifies to these things says, yes, I am coming soon. This is Jesus Christ talking, right? Jesus says, yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with God's people. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the promise the promise of a new heavens and new earth, the promise of a resurrected life with you, the promise that you will dwell with us and be our God forever, Lord. And we ask today that you would stir up within us courage, you'd stir up within us joy, you'd stir up within us perseverance and hope, Lord, and love, Lord, that you would strengthen us you would fortify us through your Holy Spirit today. And you would put within us a cheery perseverance that knows that nothing can crush this promise, not even death itself. And so, Lord, we are of good heart. Because we know you are coming 
even in the words we just read just now, Lord, yes, I am coming soon. And we know that is true. And so we long for the day and we say together, come, Lord Jesus, come and bring with you the new heavens and the new earth. Until that day, Lord, we pray for strength and pray for eyes to see this. We pray for your Holy Spirit to continue to be with us day by day. It's the name of our Lord Jesus Christ that we pray these things. Amen. Amen. All right, thanks, guys. Thanks for joining us today. Um, that's all for our, our, our service today. And so I hope to catch you next week in person. And uh, yeah, thanks for joining us online in this weird week that we have today. And uh, all the best. I'll catch you next week, everyone. See ya.